0: what's up guys welcome back to the just realized podcast katie here your favorite personal stylist and podcaster i am just gonna keep saying shit for my intro until i figure out what i want my intro to be because you guys know that's one of my like things that i have a weird story in my head around needing so badly but i can't figure it out So maybe if I just keep playing around with shit, something will stick. Anyways, today I have an interview episode for you and I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's really actually kind of funny because we recorded this back in January shit, it is January. We recorded this back in early December and I was going to release it over the Christmas break, but I decided not to because I decided to go inward and do my social media detox and I didn't want to not promote the episode. So disclaimer, in case the whole world has blown up again since we last talked on this interview, that is why. But Today's interview, I think, is a really fun one. Uh, we go down all kinds of interesting rabbit holes. It's an interview with Courtney Kay. I'm not even going to try to butcher her last name, but she's a licensed social worker and a transformational healing coach, and she has been a longtime listener of the podcast. And I think it was like over the summer, she just reached out and said, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. I have some really fun stuff that I'm teaching and my coaching program and I'd love to talk and I'd really like to get into shadow work. So if you guys have been following along, you know, I've been doing my own version of shadow work for the last five months and really trying to unravel those pieces of me so I could step into this space of finally finding myself and stepping into my personal styling journey and being this amazing new person that I am ever growing. But the funny part to this is she messaged me after one of my most recent episodes and was like, she's probably laughing if she's listening to this, and was like, Your whole vibe this year is about like going after everything and being fun. And I don't know if our episode was fun. And we went kind of heavy and we got into all the things, right? So I countered to her and I said, agreed, but... I really don't believe that you can enjoy the light without really facing what's in the dark. And that has really been a part of my story and a part of my journey. The reason I am having so much fucking fun in 2021 is because 2020 kicked my ass. But I was there for it. I was consistent and I showed up every day and I want to continue to share those resources and tell those stories on this podcast because it's not fucking easy. It's not easy to find your passion. It's not easy to just know what you should be doing. So today's episode is with her. We go over some really fun methods on like top down, bottom up and different ways that you can look at things to rewire your non-desired behaviors so she gets really really vulnerable and really really personal with her story which you know I love and apparently I'm looking at my notes from my show notes from her when I interviewed her and I scribbled on the piece of paper big college secret lol with a bunch of um stars and hearts around it I'm not sure I think that was a secret that I shared and I can't remember and I really want to go back and listen to it but I'm not going to do it so that's my present to you is can't be too bad because I don't remember what it was <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and leave it in and I hope that you guys enjoy today's episode talk to you soon bye All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am back with another super fun episode, and today I have with me. Courtney K. I'm not even going to try to butcher her last name. Um, she's a licensed social worker and a transformational healing coach. And her and I have, well, now we're just basically internet friends and we've built this really cool relationship and she has an awesome story. So I wanted to bring her on the podcast today to chat about some super fun things that I don't have a lot of knowledge about and I'm super excited to learn about. So thank you for being on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me, Katie. I love what you're doing here, and I'm so excited to do this interview.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So you can say your last name, but I was like, I'm not even going to try. I don't want to mess it up. Uh, well, my last name is
1: Kabojak, which it doesn't sound anything like it's spelled. So I, it's no big deal. Courtney K.
0: works. I was like, Courtney K. <laughs> All right. Um, which is my favorite Kardashian anyway. So no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny when
1: I first, um, decided to launch my own business, I wanted to get CourtneyK.com, And then it hit me that, Ooh, that might actually be a bad idea.
0: <laughs> it could or could not work. It just depends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start a little bit with your story and then we can go up into kind of like how we met and then we have some really fun topics to dive into that we've been talking about. So I'm super excited. So just tell us a little bit about you and how you got here and what a transformational healing coach is. Sure. So um, I guess I'll kind of just
1: start at the beginning. Um, I had uh, experience with trauma as a young child. Um, I had been abused by one of my caregivers and, um, that kind of influenced me throughout my life. So I kind of entered survival mode at a very young age and I lived and breathed and ate in that place for a long, 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 long time. Um, and survival was a theme really in my life, um, until just about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and so after the incident with the caregiver, my family became very involved in church. We joined a fundamentalist group. I was privately schooled. And um, if anybody is not familiar with fundamentalism, just know that it's a very, very strict adherence to biblical principles. Um, and women are definitely not in places of power. It's very patriarchal in that way. Um, and so I kept going Um Church about three times a week, four times a week for about eight years. And then we had a falling out with the church, and I was thrown into public schooling just in time for high school. (laughs) It was a really, really difficult transition, if you can imagine. (laughs) Um, and so I had an experience there where I wasn't really accepted. I had a lot of issues um and just fitting in with my classmates. I was still really devout in my practices, and so people just they made fun of me like. Who's this weirdo walking around with her Bible? And, um, I had an opportunity, I guess, so to speak, um, uh, where I kind of fell in love with this football player and we had this great, um, I had this great opportunity to try to make friends and everything, except it turned abusive. And so domestic violence, I ended up having to like file a protection from abuse order. And I had a bout with mental health, like depression at that point. Um, went through a really, really dark period in my life where I was experimenting um, with drugs and I had kind of gone down the route of like the party sort of coping mechanism with that. Um, and then there came a point where I um, was in a financial crisis and I had to do what I had to do to make some money. And for me, I had a girlfriend who told me I could make a thousand dollars a week if I needed to dancing. Um, and so I started professionally dancing of sorts. Um, and I, I worked at a logo strip club for about a year and a half, um, two years. And um, that was an even deeper rabbit hole that I went down there. Um, if you can imagine, it's not like a clock in clock out and that's all like it's, it's a whole lifestyle. Um, but eventually I, I woke up to my reality and I realized that I couldn't feel anything. I wasn't happy. Um, and I needed something to give. Um, I decided to, um, become celibate. I got sober. I, um, at that point I had dropped out of school. I was in college. And I dropped out for a semester, but I went back to school and I really fell into like that whole, like, just do, 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 go, go, go kill yourself, hustle. And that's basically what propelled me through my life for a while, uh, until, um, the loss of my mother-in-law, which was at the beginning of 2019. Um, and I just couldn't go anymore. Like my body just, just gave out and I started developing health problems and mental health problems. And, um, at some point I just had to give and that's when I came across Heather and Heather Shelvin's podcast, Mom is in Control. And I started to realize the connection between our minds and our bodies. And that was a life-changing thing for me. I started to realize, like, I am important because... I freaking matter and I needed to start putting myself first. And so I discovered embodiment and I've just been down this road of reconnecting with my body, aligning with my soul. And, um, that's really what I hope to do for other people as well, which is I coach them on how to transform them, lo- their lives out of chaos, um, and come into this place of thriving, um, and getting away from the whole
0: survival. Wow. There's like a thousand things um, in there to unpack. So first, thank you for being so umping with your story. Um, There's a lot there to unpack for anybody. And um, second, I want to go back for a minute. You'd said, so you'd went through all this and you dropped out of college. And then you kind of had this moment of finding yourself again or realizing what you're doing was not working for you and for who you are. And then you said your mother-in-law passed away. So I'm assuming that in in that story somewhere we got married maybe we had some kids um so did you meet your husband in college or did you meet him in high school and like how did you guys come together prior to her passing away that then also triggered or not triggered but also put you on this other path of growth sure
1: yeah so my husband and I were friends in high school but then we reconnected when I um when I decided to go celibate and come back to school and like all of that, we connected right in that time period. I was young at the time. I was twenty years old. Um, so I fell in love very young. Um, we had our firstborn a few years later. I was twenty-three, and then um a couple of years later we got married and we had our second born. Um, so I was about 26 years old at that point. Um, we actually, we got married because we knew that his mother was dying and she and I were just really, really close. And, um, it's funny, his parents were never married. And so we had always kind of been like, Oh, who cares? Like we don't have to be married, but, um, his mother really just wanted, um, to see us and and to enjoy that day. And, um, you know, shortly thereafter we lost her. So I was very grateful to, to be able to experience that with her. And, um, yeah, that, that loss was most definitely, um, one of the more traumatic things she was, she was 57 years old. Um, she, we had, um, just had our daughter. So my daughter was about six months old at the time and this woman just lived to be a grandmother and she was just her whole life. She was a stay-at-home mom. Everything that she ever did was for somebody else. And she was constantly just giving of herself, giving of herself. And I started to realize, like, after we had lost her, like, oh my gosh, this woman, all she did was give and give and give and give. And now she's gone because there was never that reciprocity there, right? Like, she didn't know how to receive. Um, and so for me, that was like a oh, aha moment, just a life-changing thing to realize that, like, oh, wow, if if she had maybe been given the opportunity to take care of herself, Maybe she'd still be here.
0: So from that, what kind of tools and so from that, and you had that aha moment, then what did you do there? How did you take that information and start using that as a tool for yourself?
1: Um, The biggest thing for me was to start to realize that I needed to take care of my body. And as much as I think like in our minds, it's like we our bodies can be this afterthought, right? Like mm-hmm. as long as like kids are fed and like we're earning money at work or whatever, like we think that our job is done, but like our first job first and foremost should always be to ourselves. And And I truly look at our bodies as the foundation. Of our well being. And if you're not taking care of your body, um, there's a theory, it's called ha- Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And basically, um, what this theory states is that in order for us to self actualize or be able to show up authentically as our true version of ourselves, Um, We have certain things that we have to have in place first. And at the very, very basis, at the bottom of that hierarchy of needs are our biological and our physiological needs. And so we cannot even begin that process of like self-actualization until we have met those needs. And as soon as I personally started to, um, you know, move my body, and I started to um, choose healthier alternatives um, for my food, that was really when I started to feel myself shift out of that place of chaos and survival and. Um, you know, just go, go, go hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, It really like your brain will function completely differently. um, Just depending on how you take care of your body.
0: I know it's crazy. I still fall short on that today, like transitioning and this new space from corporate to building my own business. And I will sit in my closet for hours and I'm like, Oh God, you need to go eat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's amazing how much of just a difference of like simple things like that can really really impact our days and our lives hey ladies i hope that you guys are enjoying today's episode i just wanted to pop in real quick with this week's styling tip so this week's tip is for my shorties out there who want to demand the room and make sure that their power is not going unseen. So for all my shorties out there, I'm in the boat with you. Sometimes we know as women, we have to work a little bit harder To make sure that we are seen and being taller is an advantage in that space so styling tip of the week if you want to create length and create the illusion of length wear monochromatic colors so all black all white all pink all red whatever your power color is and by wearing the monochromatic colors you're creating this illusion of length right your eye just keeps going up and down there's nothing there to break it up So it makes you appear taller. It also will make you appear slimmer, if that's something you're going for. And it's sure to keep everyone's eyes on you. Now, I know you're probably thinking, Katie, monochromatic colors are too boring for me. I hear you, sister. So... This is where we're going to play a little bit with our lipstick, our accessories, and our shoes. As long as we're creating that column of color and length with our outfit, this is going to open us up. So bust out that bright lipstick, whatever makes you feel good in that space, some funky earrings, or maybe some cheetah print boots. So that's it for this week's tip. I hope that helps you ladies out as you step into your style this week. I'll talk to you soon. See you on the other side. So... Let's talk a little bit about something that I think is really interesting. I think this is really the first time that we truly connected is a podcast that I had shared around drinking. And I think it was in the beginning, it was either the end of September, I think, as we were going into October. And I said, I really wanted to uh, challenge myself and a couple people around me for Sober October because I've been on this really weird um, unraveling of my... Um, I don't use the word addiction my alcohol preference I don't know the right word for it but my relationship with alcohol and that's like when you had kind of messaged me and you'd said um, you know that was really powerful some of those great things that you'd said and you had mentioned shadow work and how we can Mm -hmm. leverage our shadows to really um, create this different transformation within ourselves so can you talk to us a little bit about that and kind of like how you use that today with yourself and with your clients sure yeah so if you picture like a scale
1: um, lengthwise like horizontally here um, on the left hand side of the scale is where you would see alcohol use and a lot of people live in this area where they're able to use alcohol casually maybe regularly on the weekends and it doesn't really impact or influence their life negatively. And then there's kind of this middle gray area that we would refer to as alcohol misuse. So this is the point where maybe it's interfering with some parts of our lives. Maybe we're not very happy that we're using this. um, And it's not really fulfilling the purpose of, you know, just having fun or facilitating like social settings or things like that. Now we're kind of misusing it. And then on the far right side, then you have the alcohol abuse and that's where it has greatly impacted at least one area of your life. So whether that's work or family um, or legal, um, that's the point where a lot of people can't deny that they have an issue here. But the (laughs) problem is, is that a lot of people live in this gray area and this alcohol misuse area. And it can be anyways, it can be really difficult to kind of go Back to just using rather than misusing, mm-hmm. um, and I know for me, once I went through uh, my dark ages, like back in college and and my like late adolescent years, I was very clearly abusing alcohol at that point, and I didn't care. Um, and so when I decided to get sober, in my opinion, I was like, okay, I just I, I can't use it at all. And I'm going to have to just give it up. Um, But it's difficult because it is a very social thing.
0: A lot of people drink. It's extremely social. It's extremely triggering. Like it's everywhere. Like Mm -hmm. this summer when I was really going through it, it's on every TV show. It's on every family TV show. It's everywhere. And I literally felt like I was having an identity crisis of, I don't Mm -hmm. know who I am without alcohol and not in a like an abusive way Uh, I was definitely in that probably misuse area of like Mm -hmm. high functioning (laughs) I just I don't know how to relax without it that's where I was Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to relax or have fun without it
1: yeah yeah and I think that because it is so socially acceptable Mm -hmm. that a lot of people kind of teeter that line between you know use and misuse and um, I I really truly think that it is possible to go back to just using and not misusing and I was able to take that journey. Um when we had lost my mother-in-law, I at the time I was like halfway through my grad program. I was working at a restaurant as a server and if
0: if you've ever worked in a restaurant business, which have you or uh, my whole college here's a funny story for anyone who wants to know when I was in college I was a hooter girl <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I wish I would have kept the uniform but I felt like you know graduating college was like my big moment but in hindsight it's a pretty fucking funny story yeah you can make a lot of money you know oh, I made more money doing that than my first job out of college I was really upset <laughs> <laughs> it's a truth though
1: um But you know then probably that, like, the restaurant industry, like, there are a lot of people who just like to hang out and drink after work. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really just casual, you know, catch-up after work type of things. And and I started to do that more heavily because after we lost my mother-in-law, I always say, like, I feel everything and my husband feels nothing. And he is he can sometimes be very disconnected from his feelings. And it was causing a lot of communication issues for us at that point where like we weren't connecting, we were not getting along. I knew that he was going through the loss of his mother and it was a tremendous loss and that was to be expected, but we were having just a lot of marital problems at that point. And I began to sit after work almost every night with my friends And I was, like, that, like, middle-aged guy at the bar. And all he does the whole time is, oh, my old lady this, my old lady that. (laughs) Except I was 26 years old. And it wasn't my old lady. It was my old man. (laughs) And, you know, there was even points where I would be, like, lying to him and be like, oh, yeah, I'm on my way home. And I wasn't. Or, you know, oh, yeah, I'm with one friend when I wasn't. Um, And I really, at that point was trying to escape or avoid the marital problems um, because I couldn't look them in the face at that point. But I was being really harsh on myself like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? Like, I just felt like this this girl who I thought I'd gotten rid of and like, oh, that's the old me. She just like all of a sudden just came like crawling back out of me. And really like these are the parts that I refer like that are referred to as shadow parts. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a tendency to be very judgmental of ourselves and others about these parts. These are the parts of ourselves that we hide from other people and we maybe even hide from ourselves and we live in denial mm-hmm. about.
0: Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And so these shadow parts, we can really kind of conceptualize these as these sort of stunted parts of ourselves. Or these childlike parts of ourselves. And what I've come to understand about our shadows is that they're really there trying to protect us. Mm. Um, and when we drink and we do those sorts of things, these shadows are able to come out of us because at no other given point do we allow ourselves to acknowledge or enact any of. These shadow parts during like the regular typical day,
0: huh? So that's what I should call it. Maybe I should name that person. I'm joking. I mean, you <laughs> give can, my shadow though. a name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right Um, but yeah, it's like it's these parts of us that we are really desperate to hide because it, it we don't want to be judged, and we're made to believe that like. These are unacceptable parts. But I often say that our shadows are our strengths. And mm. the reason I say that is because our shadows really only have power over us as long as we refuse to acknowledge it. So the moment that we can turn to it and acknowledge it and face it and deal with it and meet the needs of this part, because this part is there to protect us. You know, in my yeah. situation with my husband I was trying to escape or avoid an unhappy marriage that really, you know, a lot of it stems back to how I was raised in, in the fundamentalist church. And I believe that all my value and my worth were wrapped up in being a wife and a mother. And I didn't know how to be there for my husband. I didn't know what to do during this situation. So really I was drinking to escape or avoid this shadow part of myself that was really just scared that I wasn't a good wife, that I wasn't being the person that I needed to be in that situation. Um, And the moment I was able to turn, look, and address it, that's when the shadow became integrated into myself. And now I can drink and I'm not complaining about my husband the whole time.
0: (laughs) So that's funny that you said that because it's something... I uh, just like listening to you talk and something I read yesterday was like self doubt is a self fulfilling prophecy and kind of what you mm-hmm. were saying is like you were drinking because you were scared that you didn't know how to be a good wife but that drinking ultimately led you to not being a good wife if we're just being like mm-hmm. honest with ourselves so how do you get to the point how, okay so you said then you integrated so how do you get to the point of integrating the shadow and having like owning it so like I was joking about like naming mine because I struggle with that and I'm really really or really have been challenging myself especially in this transitional phase of to like just tell my husband exactly what I'm thinking about and unfortunately he just because he's the closest person to me right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. like when those doubts come up or when that shadow comes up I try to like catch it and then like own it and if I speak it out loud a lot of times it sounds fucking stupid anyway and I'm like oh why am I even thinking that because that's dumb but I just had to have the space to say it out loud and think it out loud. Mm-hmm. How did you harness that and start to really use it to heal
1: um so for me I kind of took this journey and coming home to myself and developing a very clear concept of self. Mm. So Lee Berricson he has um a theory around the psychosocial stages of development. And so, for me personally, in my adolescent years, because I dealt with domestic violence and I had, um, you know, all of the mental health things going on, I never really developed this clear concept of self. So all of my value, and my worth was tied up in being a wife and a mother, because that's what I was taught at the church. This is all that I am. But then Mm -hmm. when I really looked at myself, I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't even know what I like. Like, what do I do besides drink? Like, (laughs) what can I do that I actually enjoy? Um, and once I kind of started like, um, asking myself the difficult questions and looking back to my childhood. And it's a term that is often used. It's called reparenting yourself.
0: Mm. So like,
1: what did I not get then that I can give myself now? Um, and so like, I, I personally was able to sort of like develop this understanding of my behaviors and the function of my behaviors and why I was acting the way that I was doing, um, by looking at my childhood and saying, why are these shadows here? What, why, how did they get stunted the way that they are now and to listen and respond to those shadows?
0: Did you journal through those? Did you work with a coach, a healer or a therapist or like, how did you, those, some of those things can be so traumatizing are mm-hmm. so deep rooted in us that sometimes you have to go through like a series of things before you realize that that's your thing. Like for me, it's um, validation, self-validation. Mm-hmm. Like I always craved, I al- still do or working on it, someone else to validate me outside of myself because I feel like I was always looking for that for a child, but it literally took me like I'm almost 40 Till I realized that that was what I drove myself on and how I created my self-worth was by what other people told me. But I got mm-hmm. to that point through definitely journaling and podcasting because podcasting to me so far <laughs> has basically just been an audio journal for myself. So like what exact tools did you use to get there? Sure,
1: yeah. So there are a couple different methods. The first is what we call a top-down approach. So mm-hmm. top-down approach talks about like your cognitive functioning. So I did do therapy. Um, I had a therapist that I worked with, um, who specialized in working with mothers, um, and women with trauma. Um, so I, I did weekly therapy, um, for quite some time. Um, eventually, you know, bi-weekly and then monthly now. Um, I truly believe that like everybody should have a therapist. Like
0: every single person it's been living in this pandemic agree i love i just got one this year and she's fucking amazing and therapy is not i don't think what everyone thinks it is like it's literally just talking to someone who has no fucking attachment to you they don't have a financial attachment to you they don't have an emotional attachment to you they, not that they don't care about you, but they can just give completely objective yeah. advice. And my therapist and I will talk about everything. I mean, she has a marketing background as well. So sometimes we go down that hole. Like it's um, awesome to just have this person in her life who doesn't, who's not trying to fix you the same way that friends and families do. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's an outside perspective. Yes. You can, yeah. you can bounce things off of, and you start to hear the parts of you that Maybe. are kind of crying out in a way, like those shadow mm-hmm. parts. And you don't have to worry about like how you said with your husband, sometimes you like, you say something and you're like, oh, I feel stupid for saying it. You don't have to worry about that when you're talking to your therapist. Yeah, Like chances yeah. are, they probably heard a
0: lot more than that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And for him, the like You know, him and I have financial, not a financial obligation to each other, but every move each of us makes impacts us financially, emotionally. We have kids. We're so fucking tangled together. We're damn near the same person when all that stuff comes together. So every move I make impacts him one way or another. So Mm -hmm. he handles it really well. And I do go to him uh, because he's free essentially, (laughs) but yeah. The therapist's point of view, like I completely agree. And I know like I feel like now it's different um, for a lot of younger people, but definitely like even my generation, like right on the cusp of that Gen X um generation, like you didn't go to a therapist unless you had serious issues or trauma, not just to keep your mental health together, because that wasn't a piece of the puzzle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there are all different types of therapy that you can try. Like if you're somebody like me and you have a history of trauma, I definitely recommend working with somebody who is trauma informed. Um, you know, CBT is a method that a lot of therapists use and it is, um, empirically validated. So there's a lot of research that says that it's very, um, effective, but like for people with trauma, you know, CBT may not be the best course of action. I recommend, um, acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. Um, and what this really does is it, it's good for people who have, um, very harsh backgrounds or who have like these very difficult, um, experiences who have beliefs now that like, The world works in one specific way. And what acceptance and commitment therapy does is it teaches us that we can have these thoughts and these beliefs about the way that we're supposed to be, but we don't have to accept and commit to them. So Mm -hmm. we can have a thought, whereas like CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy, it's all about changing those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And ACT says, we don't have to change the thought. We just don't have to accept it. We don't have to commit to it. We don't have to act on it. So I can still have the thought of like, you know, like I just want to down a bottle of wine when I get stressed (laughs) out, but I don't have to act on that thought. I don't, I can journal about that thought. Maybe now I'm acting in a different way. Now I'm not actually downing the bottle. I'm just thinking about it.
0: You know, that's powerful. That's powerful. So. You were mentioning the top down, and I think I totally cut you off because I got into my therapist um, soapbox, but I want to take you back there because I don't want to derail (laughs) your your best practices.
1: Yeah, so the the top down are things like that and then there's also like journaling. Journaling is a really great top down approach that you can use. Um and what journaling does is it kind of gives us a space to just listen to ourselves internally and like brain dump and start to like look inquisitively and curiously at our own thoughts and emotions. And so I know you're a big proponent of journaling as well. Yes. Um But that is a really great top-down approach for people. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, today I did this and I felt this way and da-da-da. Like, journaling can literally be anything. Like, you can write about your dreams, your goals. You can write about your past. You can write about anything. But just getting it out of you and down on paper is very, very helpful.
0: Yeah, Doesn't even have to be full sentences, capitalized periods, anything. Just write. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yeah. And the other thing that I started to do was I started to, and it's another top down approach was started to express myself creatively. Um, and so for me, that's through writing. I like to, um, I I write, you know, journal articles or, um, like newsletter articles and things like that, because that is how I creatively express myself. One thing that's important to note about shadows and stunted parts of yourself is that as much as they're looked at with this fear of like, oh, I don't want to see them and I don't want to act on them and that kind of thing, our shadows because they are the quote unquote weakest part of ourselves and we don't want to look at them. They really hold a lot of the potential that we have around creativity. It's like they're children, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so they hold this immense creative potential. And once we're able to sort of like begin to integrate our shadows and things like that, we can then express those shadows in a way that isn't necessarily like maladaptive or it doesn't hurt us. Um, so, like, for me, I love to dance, too. I um, obviously was a dancer for a little while back in college in, in a different way. But now I like to dance, like, modern dance or bar-type dance. Um, and this is a place where, like, I can let my shadow out. Like, I can put on some, like, sad-ass music and just, like, express myself and express my emotions. Um and so I always encourage people like to find a creative outsource, whatever that is for you. It sounds like for you, Katie, it's podcasting is yours.
0: Oh, I love podcasting. I just like to talk. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's just about taking those parts of you and being able to make sense of them and, and kind mm-hmm. of like package it and just get it out of you, like physically express yes. it, creatively express it. Yes.
0: I mean, podcasting Um, has changed my life. Um, and I feel like just by being so vulnerable, that's always been something that I was, I call it, call it good at it because a lot of people aren't good at it. And when I was younger, I used to always get in trouble and people still do, right? Like, Oh, you have no filter. You have no filter. You need to be more professional. You need to be more this or more that. And I think that's the real power of mm -hmm. something like writing or podcasting or whatever for me it's podcasting like I like to write um journaling but I don't think I'm a good writer like I think I can express myself through my voice so much better than I can writing I just don't think I I haven't figured out how to bring my personality out in writing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and I mean every person is different so like I could never do a podcast you know what I mean (laughs) so it's like you find that thing like find that thing that feels so good for you and that you just have the desire to do. It doesn't feel like work. Um, and just give yourself permission to express yourself completely and fully. The good and the bad parts too. Um, and then, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, and then the other part of this, so we talked about like top down. So just like a quick little recap That's like therapy, journaling, creative output type stuff. And then there's also these bottom up approaches. And when I say bottom up, I'm talking about like the brainstem. So those are like our basic human functions. Those are things like breathing, walking, physically moving our bodies and things like that. Um, And it's really about like reprogramming your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And when you live in survival mode, what we're actually talking about is constant activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's a fancy way of saying that you live your life feeling like everything is chaotic and out of control. You probably have blood pressure issues. You may have elevated heart rate. Digestive issues are very, very common for people who are living in survival mode. Um, and this like hyper arousal type of space. But I also do want to note that sometimes people also have this hypo arousal part too, where they just don't care about anything and they feel like nothing matters. And that's typical. And that happens too. um, But a lot of those bottom-up approaches are things like uh, meditation, um, things like exercise, breath work. Um, All of those are really teaching your body to function differently, react differently. And when you first start these bottom-up approaches, I highly recommend that people find a very safe space to practice them in. So, like, I know with you, Katie, you're, like, you love your closet, like your closet. Love gets, Your space. Love it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and when you first start these these practices, like you gotta create like a physical environment that's conducive to it. Like you gotta feel really safe, you gotta feel really comfortable, and then you can start to practice it elsewhere too. Like now, I can be sitting at work doing breath work. I can be like just even just sticking in my AirPods and like going for a walk on my lunch break, and I can like start that process of like reprogramming, um, you know, my my nervous system in that moment. So, those are just some of the bottom up approaches that I use, and um, sort of like reconnecting with my body and in integrating like all of the shadow parts of me. Um, and I love meditation, especially for shadow work because, um, it really gives us the opportunity to get quiet and to start to listen and, um, guided meditation is a really great idea if you're not used to meditation, um, because it's not as intense. Like you're not just sitting there in silence. Um, and there are so many free ones all over the place. So What's your favorite free meditation app that you're using right now? Definitely insight timer, Sarah yeah. Blondin insight timer. And I know that everybody loves her, but oh my gosh, she's fantastic. Just love her. She,
0: yeah, she is pretty good. I have an insight timer um, myself. So I think I'm catching on a little bit, but I want to clarify because if I feel this way, other people probably feel this way too. So we started with, and I kind of messed it up. Sorry, because I do this all the time when I podcast is my brain goes in a thousand different places. So you started with top down then versus bottom up approaches. So top down approaches you said were things like therapy, journaling, and what else did you say that they were?
1: Creative expression. Okay. So So whatever that means for you.
0: Okay. So when it's called, Um, top-down because those things are a little, they're not as physical. They're really um, expressions of the mind. Is that why they're called top-down versus bottom-up?
1: So um, kind of. So if you think about the human brain, and I probably should have clarified this. So thanks for calling me out on this. Think no, about the human fault. brain. You have mm-hmm. like this frontal cortex, it's prefrontal cortex. So that's like at the top of your brain. Like that's like this yes. cognitive part of you. So when we say top down, what we're talking about is those, those, um, therapies or those things that we can do that are focused on that Frontal cortex at prefrontal cortex. That's a reasoning part of our brain. And then bottom up then in contrast, you're talking about like the brainstem area and that part of our brain, which is dealing with the nervous system, breathing, moving your body, those kinds of things.
0: Got it. I knew that. That's great. I was like, (laughs) I know this. I just want to clarify because I totally got us off track because I got way too excited about therapy. (laughs) That's awesome. Um so one other thing that I want to touch on before I let you go is talking a little bit about shadows and I feel like that's a good segue into one of the other um internet conversations that we've had around um astrology and like tarot and rituals and all these other things that I personally like to do for me um as part of like my practice to you know, ground myself and things like that. And I talk about that shit a lot on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I know that you and I had talked about this a little bit and you were like, you know, unraveling from things that everyone has taught you to now saying like, am I allowed to pull my tarot cards out? Am I allowed to play with these things and stuff like that? But you and I talked a little bit this week about astrology and about um, your astrology chart, which I think the more I dig into this. And again, I've talked about this on the podcast, but the more I dig into the astrology piece, I can really see it connecting to so many things. And I just think it's so cool. And you had Mm -hmm. said that you have, so so I'll open that up to you to share your tools and resources there. But you also mentioned that you have a really interesting astrology chart. So I wanted you to kind of share with us quickly, like, how that, so I guess that's the spiritual piece, right? How does that fit in, um, to this for you? And maybe how do you use this, um, you know, in your healing coaching sessions and things like that? Sure.
1: Yeah. So we talked about the mind, we talked about the body and you're right. This, this astrological piece for me is very much rooted in the spiritual work. Um, I think it's, kind of amazing that people are so resistant to astrology because really all astrology is is noticing and recognizing patterns and is it really so crazy to think that like people born around the same time of the year might have similar traits they (laughs) might end up like to me it doesn't life is all patterns life is all rhythm and i think astrology from the beginning of like human existence we've been looking up at the stars and wondering like why we're here and what we're doing and um like for me personally my astrological chart is um very very leo i have um four planets that are in my leo so i embody leo in a lot of me um But it's no secret that I, you know, I I shared the shadow parts. I've shared the dark parts of my life. um, And I found it really interesting to learn that I have a planet, um, Mars, that was in Gemini. And that's in my eighth house. And this is not something that's super, super common. um, And what this really means is this is very much the theme of like death and rebirth transformation sex is a very um, strong component of this as well. And it's, it's a part of me that kind of lives in the darkness and um, is, is sort of rooted and in this transformation or like this death and rebirth cycle. And I know, like I was voted most changed in high school. Like my whole life, all I've done, I feel like, is just like constantly changing and learning and growing. And it now that I'm like recognizing that a lot of this has to do with the darkness that I've experienced and like those hardships and those things in my life. And it's not like I'm like quote unquote better for it. I just think that it's it's important to know that like These hard parts, these bad parts, they added meaning to my life just as much as the good parts did, too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that like a lot of my own experience within astrology has been healing because it helps me to recognize that like there are all these different parts of me and that it doesn't mean that like one is better than the other. It's not like, oh, since I have all this Leo that like this is just who I am. Like there are these other parts of me as well. And I don't have to fear them. In fact, they have brought so much um good to my life my ability to transform and to heal and to grow it definitely has led me to where I am today which I wouldn't want to be anywhere else That's um
0: great.
1: yeah
0: I feel like it brings a lot of clarity um and I feel like it's humans like our number one question is why like no matter what it is good or bad we always have this like question of why behind it because Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the wiring of to keep ourselves safe Um, because like when someone's really nice to you you're like why are they so nice (laughs) and then if someone's really mean to you and same right if someone's mean they're like why are they such an asshole it's like it's a like a you know safety mechanism that we use so for me that's kind of where like that astrology piece comes in and that's kind of just what came up for me when I was listening to you talk is like it offers this piece of clarity that even if you don't realize you're seeking why that somewhere deep down you constantly are um so I think that was really cool that's really yeah yeah so- and I think oh, I'm sorry No, I was just going to sit. I was just going to dig in and ask you about, do you have any practices on like, how do you use this information? Like you mentioned houses. So like you're going way into the astrology stuff. Um, I know a little bit about my houses, but not much. So I was just going to get you to like, maybe give us a couple of examples of things that you use, or just talk a little bit more about some of the rituals or practices that have come from your journey into that piece of spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I do, I, I look at my
1: astrology chart pretty much daily. Um, and I think that it's something to where it's just a guide, right? Like we still always have human agency that is so important. Like we always can make our own choices. Um, but it helps me to like recognize like, as far as like career moves and things like that too. Like, I know that I have this this part of me that's dark. I know that I have like this Mars in my eighth house here that brings a little bit of darkness to my life, but in my career that has helped me to make decisions about like what I want to do, where I want to be. So I, You know, I have experience in working with hospice and a lot of people are like, oh, my God, I can never do that. Um, Right now, I'm the social worker on the COVID floor at our hospital and we are completely slammed and I'm dealing with families who are losing people every single day and, you know, helping the staff and everything through that. And again, people look at me and they're like, I have no idea why you would go into a hospital in the middle of a pandemic. Um, And what I've come to realize is that it's who I was almost born to be. Um, just because of where I was born, how I was born, like I do believe in fate and things like that. And so this dark part of me, it allows me to be able to walk into these situations that other people could never be able to handle. And I am a source of light. I am awakened. I am enlightened. So I can take that enlightenment and I can walk into these dark situations and walk through these hard, um, you know, walk through these hallways with these patients and these, um, staff who are just going through it and I can spread my light. Right, like I'm working on a project right now trying to collect donations to to recognize the nursing staff. I'm working to try to figure out how we get personal belongings to the people who are dying. How do we get them their favorite pillow? How do we get them their family photos? How do we make this happen? And I could not have done any of that had it not been for the recognition and the understanding of like, in my opinion, this is, this is where I'm destined to be because of where I was born. This hospital was the place I was born, you know, and that really ties in with that, that whole, like right place, right time, right moment, right hour, even, you know, that I was born to be this person.
0: That's amazing. I love that. I love how sure you sounded of yourself when you said I am awakened and I am empowered. I could like feel it. And I think that's really important um, because when you feel it for yourself, you do create space for other people to begin to feel what that feels for them if they're not there yet. And that's really, really powerful, for Courtney. And it's really cool.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things to where, um, you know, in your heart, Whether you've awakened and I'm not saying it's not continuous, it's always continuous, right? I'm Mm -hmm. always constantly awakening to these new parts of myself and new parts of the world. But it's almost like you're walking through your life and you're just throwing seeds everywhere too. And you're just (laughs) like these, these ideas and things can plant in other people's heads and they can begin to awaken too.
0: Yeah. That's true. I feel like I've been throwing uh, seeds at the wall <laughs> for a while. <laughs> no, I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm awakening slowly but surely, um, especially in the last couple months. That's really cool. So... I love the word, um, transformational healing coach. And as you uh, move through that part of your journey, what are you working on right now in that space and offering your clients that you would like to share with everybody that's listening? Sure. Yeah. So I
1: offer one-on-one coaching and those packages that just depends on, you know, on the individual and what they need. But the big thing is, um, I have a, Uh, trifecta transformation program and really what this program does is it takes you through um, the metamorphosis process. So I look at the butterfly cycle and you're talking about like from a larvae who's like sucking this little dark egg, um, to a caterpillar who's out and exploring the world and learning new things, um, to the chrysalis phase where you have to go quiet and inward. And then of course the butterfly phase, which is the creative expression and the, um, authentic expression of self. And this program, it is a 12 week program, um, that is both online. And then you also have access to me as the coach. Um, and then I also have my monthly wellness newsletter and every month I feature a different, woman um who has inspired me along my journey um and so like last month it was jordan wabra who's a holistic nutrition coach we did a segment on how to improve your mood using food and um i have all my audiences welcome to um come to like the live q a katie i know you were there for that one last month yeah, um and then yeah jordan's great love her
0: hmm
1: And then in January, I'm going to be featuring Amanda Walker, who is, um, the feel amazing naked podcast lady, and she's amazing as well. So we're going to be talking about how to feel amazing naked in the new year.
0: Yeah. And side note, that's my business mentor. So she's amazing. (laughs) So I definitely endorse that one. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, where can everybody find you? uh, Like if they want to reach out to you about these programs.
1: Sure. So you can follow me on Instagram um, and that's at Courtney K coaching. Um, And then I also (laughs) do have a website that is um, www.courtneykcoaching.com. And those are the two major ways that
0: you can get in contact with me. Courtney with a C. Courtney (laughs) with a C. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) <laughs> Courtney, with the C. Sorry, I was stumbling there for a minute because I was thinking about what phase of the butterfly I was at, and then I was like, "No, Katie, just go ahead and move on." And <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like you
1: cycle through them though, too. To be fair, in different okay. areas of your life. So
0: yeah, yeah, I think I just cycled through almost all of them in the last four months. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I'm right on the edge of breaking out of this chrysalis phase and moving into butterfly phase with um, some of the style work that I'm starting. So I'm super excited about that. But yeah, that's why I was like, oh, hold on. I had another question for her. I'm still thinking about butterflies. I love that though. (laughs) I love it being your program being set up like that. I think that's really cool. And like you said, it's very cyclical. And I love that, especially as women, because I feel like we're very cyclical. So it ties back to that. So that's excellent, Courtney. Um, So Courtney with the AK. I mean Courtney K, Courtney with the C, not to be confused with <laughs> Courtney K. But yes, yeah, so everybody, go check her out. I love this conversation. I'm still stuck on the top down, bottom up. I think that's a really cool way to think about the different practices that we can use every day. And like you said, like the mind, the body, the spirit. And putting all three of those together, it's so powerful. And I'm just glad that we're in a phase now where we focus and talk about those things because they are so, so important. So before I let you go, is there any last words of wisdom or quote or anything that you want to share with everybody? Um, so I, for a
1: long time, walked in darkness and I would question why it was that my life was dark until I came to realize that I was the light and I once I realized that I I began to see that every experience in my life has led to me having meaning in my life and that was incredibly powerful so if you're somebody who has been walking through darkness or who experiences darkness which I think is probably most people um just know that there is always hope and that you are the light in this world
0: that's awesome thank you so much for being here today Courtney
1: Thank you.